Do you like to binge watch TV? Did you know you could binge listen to podcasts? Head over to electronicmediacollective.com where they have podcasts for days. You like podcasts about wrestling? They have that. Do you like podcasts about TV and film? They have that. Do you like podcasts about horror? EMC has that too. Do you like comedy? Do you like books? Guess what? They've got you covered. Head over to electronicmediacollective.com Pick your favorite podcast today. Hey, this is Jason Brooks. I play Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th Roseblood and Vengeance, and you're listening to Moose's Monster Mash. Welcome, Horror Hounds, to another all-new episode of Moose's Monster Mash. I'm your host, Moose. I know you missed me last month due to some technical issues, but I'm back. And this month, I'm bringing a uh, hot new actress uh, to the scene. We we, uh, talked briefly about her back in December, but now she's here, and we can talk to her from Roseblood, a Friday the 13th fan film. Please welcome the lovely Miss Jessica Hopman. Hello, everyone. Excited to be here today. And yeah, I'm glad you're glad you could be here. And it, it, the timing couldn't be any better because right before we came up to re- record this, got the email saying that the uh, Indiegogo perks are going to be going out soon. So yeah. it, it's like, ah, great day. <laughs> yeah, lining up. Here right. I am. We got perks going out soon. We've turned a corner into spring somewhat. So. The world is aligning right now. Our little world is aligning. Say, if you're in the Midwest, it's fake spring. You know, (laughs) we're in that it could be winter, it could be spring. Mother Nature doesn't quite know. Hmm. Like, it snowed last week. (laughs) Yep. I am from Nebraska originally. I live on the East Coast now. But yeah, I'm both places. It's like, this is the time of year where you're like, I might wake up and it could be 30 degrees or it could be 80 and sunny. So we'll find out. See, I did not know you were from Nebraska. I am. <laughs> That's where I'm sitting right now. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, let's jump into, like, early uh, development, stuff like that. What, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, from Nebraska, there's not a whole lot here that screams acting. So what uh, got you into acting and started you down this path? Yeah, um, I mean, I did some acting as a youth and very, very small time stuff, just like school plays, stuff through my church growing up. Um, And I never really took it that seriously. I'm way more invested on the music side and have played in multiple bands out of Omaha, Nebraska. Even moving out to the East Coast, I have a band that I play in here, or a couple of them, I guess. So that's been way more of my wheelhouse Uh, But when I moved out to the East Coast, I wanted to get more into acting. It's something that's interested me from a young age that I've never really explored. So when I moved out to New Jersey, which is where I am now, right outside of New York City, um, I came with the intention of doing music and trying to get my feet wet with acting. Well, I moved at the start of 2020, and then the lovely COVID pandemic world hit. Yeah. So I was kind of barely dipping my toes in, and then it was like, eh, push the brakes. Uh, but thankfully, the last 
year, year and a half has really been sort of my deep dive into acting. I'm pretty new overall, um, but I've been lucky enough to do various projects, uh, feature films, short films, and Roseblood was kind of my gateway drug, if you will. It's really the uh, the first major role that I had that got me into this and made me love it. And now I'm trying to do it as full time as I can. So, and yeah, you hit the ground running because like it was Roseblood, and then there was like like you said, four or five others that just lined up right right in a row. Yeah. And it's like, wow, that's super impressive. Um, you mentioned bands and music. What kind of you know music are you into? Like, uh, what bands uh, are you playing with? Yeah. So the current project that I'm in right now is called Giveth. G-I-V-E-T-H. And it's like a cinematic dark with some pop elements and heavy guitar. It's me and my boyfriend. We have a duo and we play with other musicians. It's mainly a studio project right now, but we're trying to tour soon if the world stays, you know, somewhat calm. Uh, but a lot of those influences for that project are like, you know, Chelsea Wolf, uh, some Nine Inch Nails, like just a lot of kind of darker groups uh, with, like I said, elements of pop. And we were lucky enough with this project with Giveth to actually write the end credit song for Roseblood. So when the film rolls into the end credits and there's a song playing, that's actually my duo band Giveth performing and my little worlds are again colliding. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you're not only in like one of the titular roles, you now have the uh, outro song for the movie. So, I mean, it's pretty epic you know with you know again coming from the midwest out and just basically on a wing and a prayer saying okay this is what i want to do is it going to happen and it all just kind of happened together yeah yeah it's um you know i feel like at any time that i've made a big life change whether that's moving or switching from one band to another diving more into uh, the freelance world there's always that fear of, okay, I don't know exactly how this is going to happen. I'm driven and I kind of have some goals and a path, but it's always a little different than you think it's going to be. And when you look back and things have lined up, it's like, oh, okay, I've been walking in the right direction, even though at times it feels like, what is this? Or what am I doing here? Why is this happening? Um, it's nice to see a path that's formed. So every so often you get that very like one step forward, two steps back. But at the end yeah. of the day, you're like, no, I am going the right way. It's just going to hit some uh, stumbling blocks along the way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> are, are you from Omaha then or just? Uh... Yeah, I um So I'm from Omaha, like right on the border. I went to Elkhorn Public Schools, Elkhorn, Nebraska. So yeah, growing up, it was like, you know, we, my parents moved into the nothingness that Elkhorn was at the time, and then it developed, and now it's, you know, a bustling area, and it's funny, being out on the East Coast, when I tell people I'm from Nebraska, they just think, Corn. oh, like, grew up on a farm, yep. like, you rode horses, which, yes, that exists, but Omaha's, as, you know, people who've been there know, much more of a city, much more urban in a lot of respects, so, but that, yeah, that's where I'm from and have spent most of my existence. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, I'd imagine it's a very stark contrast from Elkhorn <laughs> to Jersey. You know, in some ways, it is a stark contrast, like the culture and the vibe and the people. But it's also weirdly similar. Like, we're basically, like, Nebraska is here, and then you go, like, 1,100 miles towards the East Coast, and there's New Jersey. So it's similar climate. You have, like, super urban areas, and then... The western part of the state is much more rural, farmland, that type of a thing. So in a way, there's similarities, but 
the overall vibe is really different. Oh, yeah. Let's dive into Rose. You know, the movie basically centers around you and Sine. You, you two have end up building this like sisterly bond on set. Well, at least on screen. What was it like on set? Sanaya and I really, um, we really did have an honest sisterly bond that formed as we were on set. Um, it's a lot when you arrive to a movie set and you have to have a bond with someone and you've never met them and there's so many different things happening around you. We did this whole film in eight days. So it was like, okay, this bond either is going to be there or it's not going to be there. And uh, I was a little nervous when we first met and then we did our first scene together. And funny enough, we finished the scene, we move on to the next thing, find out a day later that the scene had gotten deleted for some reason, which is a very unusual thing to happen just in general on film sets. So we had to redo the scene of the two of us together where we're very emotional. And, but we did it a second time and which when I say second time, that means we do it a bunch of times, but a second round. <laughs> second official <laughs> time. <laughs> and it was just like, we had uh, clicked a little bit more. And so that scene really came to life when we did it that second round through. And then we found out afterward that uh, Cody Newton, who's uh, the cinematographer for the film, actually purposefully said that he the, that the scene was deleted, even though it wasn't. Because he knew that our chemistry was going to grow and we would do a better job later on in filming. So, um, yeah, that's kind of a fun little story there. But we truly had an honest bond. And whenever I see her, it's just like, oh, there's my little sister. And she's so mature. She's almost like an older sister in some ways, even though I'm older than her. So, yeah, love her. Well, when I was talking to uh, Peter Anthony, the director and head of this film back in December, you know, he, yeah, nothing but nice words and, you know, kudos to the two of you. And, you know, we, we, we were talking about Sanaya and we were talking about how even though she's so young, she, like you said, she is so mature. And every, every scene she carried, you wouldn't know she was a teenager. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, you look at her, okay, teenager, but, you, you know, it's she acts it out like a very seasoned veteran of the craft. Yeah. Definitely. She, um, she's done a lot of films too. Like, even though she's young, like she has a lot of experience. And I think that that really shone through. And what I love about her character, like in her acting is, um, how she, you know, the character of Rose has so many different subtle touches within it. It's like, you're constantly wondering, is she good or is she evil? Yeah. And she's got these moments of rage and then moments of emotion and then moments where she's kind of deadpan and I think that Sanaya did a really good job of picking up on those subtleties and looping them into her character and keeping the audience guessing as to what her motive is. And I think it takes a very seasoned actress to be able to do that, not in an over-the-top way, but in a way where it keeps everyone engaged in her character. Yeah, yeah and you know, like, like I said, you get the two of you on screen together, and there, there was just this like instant bond on screen, and you see the relationship kind of grow. Yeah. Were you a Friday the 13th fan growing up or was this just something that kind of came up and you're like, I'll give it a shot. Um, so growing up, I was not really allowed to watch horror films. Um, it's pretty, pretty sheltered childhood. Uh, but I definitely tried to here and there. Like I think, um, well, one of the, I mean, the, there's some movies I watched horror wise when I was a kid, uh, but the ring, I think was the first like bigger mm. 
horror movie I saw and it scared me so bad. So I had kind of this tiptoe entrance into horror films. And then when I got older, I um, found out that I really love like 80s horror. Um, and a friend of mine back in Omaha, we used to just get together like on a Friday night. We would watch an 80s horror film, talk about it, obsess over it, just, you know, different types of movies. And um, and then my boyfriend here in New Jersey is also a like VHS collector. Specifically, a lot of them are in the horror genre. So I feel like I've worked my way through so much, but... I have actually, up until getting the role, I had not seen any of the Friday the 13th films. That was like the one thing that I just, I had never dabbled into it. I hadn't watched any of the series or of the franchise. And uh, when I got the role, I was like, okay, this is a sign. So I watched part seven before being on set and I was like, oh, I love this. I love that. It's sort of this mashup of Carrie, you know, like Tina's like Carrie with the, Mm -hmm. the mind powers um, but yeah, it, it wasn't really until getting this role that I was introduced to this whole world. So yeah, Seven's always kind of been referred to as Jason meets Carrie. So, yeah. and then, yeah, you get brought on to play a young Tina, which arguably is one of the more known characters in the franchise because you know, she does have such a, an impact in the movie. And yeah. you know, I was telling Peter when I was talking to him that casting was phenomenal because I mean... Mm-hmm look like a young Tina and you know watching you just throughout the movie is just like wow this is you know it's one of those things that as we talked earlier you know it's everything's starting to line up this lined up perfectly (laughs) that's awesome yeah it was it was so much fun getting to um sort of reprise this role and um I think what really made it cool is just uh Laura and I have sort of a similar like eye expression and our eyes are sort of similar. And I think that's really what, you know, gave us that similarity enough to make it believable was just like, all right here. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up. So one of the things I really love about, you know, watching you in this meet is your eye act. Because as a, uh, you know, telekinetic, there's not a whole lot. I mean, you can get emotional, but there, like you said, yeah. there's so much that you have to do with just your eyes. And um, it, it, it's a weird thing for me. I, I love eye acting um because it's so like it's so intense so emotional you know so and so subtle and and like i said it was phenomenal but what i find and this is why i laugh at it i was talking to q last night (laughs) and your eyes weirded him out (laughs) he was so scared of me which i didn't know until like after we were done filming but uh peter you know (laughs) came and told me he's like yeah actually like Q so Q and I like we have these scenes where we're right up in each other's faces and we're like you know we're intense yeah and there was one scene we were doing where Q would like be looking me in the eyes and he would just he kept forgetting what he was saying (laughs) he kept losing it and I was like it's okay it's okay so we're we're, we get through the scene and then I realized after when Peter told me that he was so you know like scared and just like whoa these eyes and my face which it's a lot that he kept forgetting what the line was. <laughs> See, cause back when Roseblood premiered, I reached out to Q about the same time I reached out to you to offer, you know, congratulations on the successful premiere and all that. And, yeah. You know, so, you know, loosely been in touch with both of you guys since. And yeah, message Q last night. I was like, Hey, you know, I'm have an interview with a uh, Jessica. Do you have any cool stories from uh, backstage? <laughs> and he's like, her eyes weirded me out. I'm like, <laughs> not what I was expecting, but I'll go with it. You know, <laughs> 
like almost an inside joke. Whenever I see him, I'm just like I'm watching you. <laughs> Blue steel, right? <laughs> right. All in all, what was your experience on set like? You know, because like you said, it was shot in eight days, so I'd imagine all in all, it was pretty hectic. But mm. you know, what was it like? Because like talking to Peter, you know, I got the director's perspective, and you know, everything's great. Everyone had fun. You know, now talking to you, I can get, you know, the flip side. What was it like being the, the person on the receiving end of the, okay, we have eight days. We have to get this done. Let's knock this out of the park. Yeah. Um, the whole experience was a whirlwind of things. There was so much happening. You know, I was coming onto set with kind of some anxieties and not really knowing what to expect, but such a family environment and, and everybody was really passionate about making something fun, unique, true to this franchise. Um, so just the passion really came through and it created this family bond where yes, we're having these intense scenes happening and it's late nights, but everybody was genuinely having a good time on set. And I've been on, you know, some major production sets quite a bit over the last year. And it's a well-oiled machine when you're on these major productions, but um, at least from you know, maybe if you're like a principal actor there, it's different. But from being one of the little pawns in the chess game, it's it's more like, you know, everybody's just kind of in their own world, doing their own things, making things happening. But on this set, it was like we were a family and everybody's laughing in between takes. We're, you know, excited when the kill looks good. We're laughing, having inside jokes. So such a family environment. Uh, but there was also this part of it where... You know, my character of Tina, she is very emotional. She has quite a range of emotion. Mm -hmm. She's going through a lot. And I was, you know, not method acting, but I was trying to immerse myself in her character enough where I could pull that out at the drop of a hat because we were, you know, filming so quickly. I had to be able to draw up this extreme emotion like that. So I didn't want to remove myself too far from that. So it was kind of always there. And that was actually like a pretty heavy part of doing it for eight days was just feeling under the weight of this character of Tina and what she's gone through. And when we got done filming, I uh, was on the plane flight home. We had basically been up the entire night before I flew home, just finishing the last scene. And I actually like got a migraine on the way home because I was like, I think my my head just from crying and screaming and all the intensity, like it's just sort of like came out in the form of a migraine. But it was satisfying in a weird way just to know that like, okay, I'd accomplished this and I had hopefully done justice to the character of Tina. And I'm sure you've gotten this quite a bit now, but since the premiere, how has being Tina changed your life? And mm. uh, I guess public image <laughs> <laughs> yeah um it's definitely changed some things i feel like like i said it was sort of this the character of tina was like the gateway into acting it's like the moment where i felt like i could do that but i needed to prove it to myself and getting to play the role of tina it's like it proved that to myself and now i feel more confident applying for other roles auditioning for other things um, i actually just booked another um, horror film playing a role. So it's like, yeah, it kind of opened that door a little bit, which was exciting. Um, and then also just the friendships that I built through it changed my life. Like being sort of inducted into this family that is the horror community, um, doing different podcasts, uh, meeting fans at the premiere, getting to interact with people who share in a passion for Friday the 13th. That is the part that I didn't realize 
really existed until I was sort of thrown into it. And now I love it. It's like a family. It's like any time that I need something, I could call upon any one of these people that I worked with and they would be there and uh, be there to help me or whatever. So uh, just having a lifelong family in that way is really cool. That's awesome. So you, you mentioned your boyfriend's a VHS collector. Yes. <laughs> is is he going to get the VHS of you being Tina and Roseblood? Yes, <laughs> I saw the little drop for the uh, for what the you know cover and everything looks like. It's pretty darn awesome. Pretty you know true to the original, which is yeah. cool. But yeah, um, I'm sure that he will want that as part of his collection. So yeah, it's yeah. I was looking at the artwork and I was like, man, that's it's gonna look good. Yeah. <laughs> We'll leave it up to Peter Anthony. He never does anything half-assed. He's he's all in. So <laughs> I say he's all in, and he, you know, this is you know, and like I told him, you could tell this was a, a passion project. This wasn't just a uh, something that you know, oh, I want to put this out. I want to make some money. No, this was very much from the heart. You know, yeah, he loves the story, loves the franchise, wants to put something out that pays tribute to and continues the best he can. Yeah, and you guys killed it. Thank you so much. Yeah, we had a great time doing it. So I'm, I'm glad that, you know, some people um, have enjoyed it and connect with it. And well, a lot of people have. And that's that's a really cool thing. Again, like the horror community is like a family ready to welcome Roseblood in. And I know it's not, you know, there's the haters are there. People are going to you know not be into it. But I think overall, like we've all felt really welcomed with the film. Well, I mean, can't be that too many of them because now I don't know if it's still there, but I know at one point y'all were the number one fan film. So <laughs> uh, obviously the uh, people who enjoy the movie outweigh the haters. So <laughs> <laughs> um, having finished the film and watched the film, do you have a favorite kill in the, you know, just sit back and watch and you're like, oh, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of them. Um, I'm torn between, I love the, when Bo Boykin gets the ax to the face, which is also in one of the trailers. I just think that there's something really horrific about the thought of having an ax to the face because an ax is, it's sharp, but it's also like blunt sharp. Yeah. Love that kill. And then I also love when MP Strang gets like his hand. Yes. Know, to the bone and then he gets his head smashed in. Um, yeah. That was really fun to watch both behind the scenes and to see how it came across in the final product. Say so the hand sliding off was gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. You know, gorgeous. For, yeah, gorgeous. <laughs> uh, just, you know, from a, like a effects standpoint, I mean, it was you know, watching it on screen and then later seeing essentially how it was done. I was like, oh, that's, God, that's genius. Yeah. It's amazing. And, you know, loving like the 80s horror, like I love just any kind of practical effects. And there was so much of that, like sort of troubleshooting on the spot to get something mm -hmm. to look a certain way, not, you know, CGI necessarily just like, okay, we have this blood and we have this watermelon or whatever, and like making the kill look realistic. And that to me is really fun to see it all come together. Oh yeah. So, yeah, and I, I, I'm also one of those people that practical effects have a very soft spot in my art for them. Yeah. You know, CGI is good and can be used to enhance a film. Right. It shouldn't be what you rely on to do everything. Exactly. It, just, yeah. it doesn't have the same feel. Yep. Something about like the physicality of a practical effect or even just, you know, certain makeup or things like that really, um, yeah, it really brings a film to life in a different way. Well, like, you know, a, a head getting smashed 
looks entirely different in practical and CGI. It looks more visceral for a practical yeah. effect. You know, CGI, you can make it look gorier, but it's more visceral and almost real with the yeah. uh, practical effect. You, you have that that almost explosion out and just stuff everywhere. And it's like, totally. yeah, that's what I want to see. <laughs> you know, where are you going from here? Now, like, you know, we've had the, uh, you know, you had the five movies line up pretty well. What's your, uh, I guess, long-term goal moving forward? I, I know we've talked, it's acting, but do you have, do you want to stay in horror? Do you want to venture out and do other genres? Or is like horror going to be like your thing? Yeah. Um, you know, I love horror. And if anything presents itself in the way of horror, I'm always like down for that. I feel like that'll always hold a soft spot in my heart. And like I said, I'm doing a horror project coming up soon. Uh, but I also, you know, want to explore other genres. I've done a few things that are more drama or like exploring mental health. Um, I have a role coming up where it's, uh, you know, more of like a psychological part, uh, not necessarily as much gore horror, but psychological, which I think is something I definitely want to keep exploring as an actor. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I think I'd also love to just try my hand at uh, something more lighthearted or even comedic at some point, I think could be fun, um, not to necessarily pigeonhole myself into one type of acting, but to try for different things as well. Um, and then, you know, also just with music, continuing to write music and record and hopefully play normal shows and tours again at some point. Uh, but I'm just, I love to create. I love to kind of any creative project that comes my way that I'm passionate about, I'll invest in. So, you know, I'm doing a lot of random things, I feel like, and that's sort of the way I like it. I, I don't like to be in one train of thinking. I like to spread it out and try different things and yeah, do it that way. Well, you know, since you're out in Jersey, Tromaville's just up the road a little ways. You can Always venture that way and hit yeah. comedy, horror, music, all of it in like one movie. So yeah. <laughs> just do it all. Right. And get tons of eyes on you. <laughs> Can you talk more about the projects you have coming up? Yes. Um, so uh, I am filming a project soon that is a role where I'm playing a teacher um, of like young daycare age children. And basically one of the girls in my class is seeing these sort of paranormal, um, visions. And I'm trying to kind of shut that out, but I'm also questioning if what she's telling me is true or not. So it's kind of the unfolding of that. And I'm very excited to play that role because I actually have my teaching degree, uh, which I received from the university of Nebraska, Omaha, go yeah. maps. And um, I did substitute teaching for a while while I was kind of getting more into the creative arts. Um, so I love any time that my worlds can collide, like whether it's music and film, and in this case, the teaching world and film colliding. So I'm excited about that. Um, and then I did another short film recently that um, is called, well, I don't actually know. They're throwing around the name of it, <laughs> different things, but um, it's a film about addiction and uh, the breaking of that and the struggle that goes with it. So it's kind of like a group of um, people that live off the grid. And I'm one of the members of that group living in the woods away from society healing. Um, and then I just booked a third project that is a horror film 
which I don't know as much about, but I know that it's going to be on the beach and there's going to be a lot of blood involved and some strangers that are coming together to um, sort of fight whatever the evil is, but also Ooh. maybe trusting each other in the process. I like it. Yeah. A little of this, a little of that. <laughs> so you're all over the place. What would you say your biggest takeaway from Roseblood was and the mm. Roseblood experience? You know, I would have to say my biggest takeaway was from the whole thing is just to, this is going to sound maybe kind of cheesy, but to be in the moment. Um, I think that that was just one of those times where, you know, there's so much was happening and it was a whirlwind of things. But I feel like I almost wish I could just go back to that and be more in the moment, um, even with all the chaos and anxieties that come with with making a film, because that really, to me, is the success. Like, that's what I take away from it is, yes, seeing it released and having other people latch onto it is a cool part of the process. But just being in the moment of that creative process for me is like the ultimate joy. And so that's something that I take away from that. And I try to carry into other projects is like when I'm on set, I just have this moment where I stop and I'm like, Oh yeah, take this in, be in the moment. Or, you know, maybe it's not even film related. It's just a moment in life where I'm, I stop and I sort of re reflect and process and try to like ground myself in the moment. Nice. Before you wrap this up, I am curious. If you could pick a dream role, what would it be? Ooh, that is a really good... No one's ever asked me that. I mean, they've asked me, like, different people I would work with. So let me let me clarify. Is it, like, a role that's already been done or, like, something that I would come up with, like, oh, I would like to play a role like this? If you had carte blanche and you could say, this is the role that I am doing, this is the character I'm playing, it, say it can be something that was done, something you'd come up with, just... You know, what, like, if you had, if you can set your blinders to long term, this is your end goal. This is where you want to go. This, this, this role right here. What mm. would that be? I'm going to give a twofold answer because <laughs> I can't pick just one thing. Um, I think so. If I could speak hypothetically about like my ultimate role that I would want to play, um, I think I would want to play some type of a character that completely unravels and goes insane in a film like just goes from being what you think is a normal person to completely insane and like loses their mind Ooh. in the film so that's like my hypothetical like dream role is like sort of an indie film of like somebody just like losing losing it um <laughs> on a more fun light note if i could um like jump back in time and just be in a film like a dream film for me, that would probably be the Lost Boys uh, from the 80s. Oh, yeah. Vampires, Beach, Goth. I talk about this in a lot of the interviews that I do, but I just have an affinity for all of that. And I love the 80s. So I think getting to be part of the, uh, the gang, the motorcycle gang, would be pretty awesome. Well, and I think Lost Boys really set you know, a, a lot of us on the trajectory we are on now. Because it really changed the game in horror and what horror could be at that point. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that totally makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to be an extra on uh, that movie, so. <laughs> yeah. I totally get it. <laughs> <laughs> Where can listeners, like, keep up to date with your, like, upcoming projects and just, like, kind of follow you on social medias and stuff? 
Yeah. So I try to stay fairly active on Instagram. I do sometimes cross post to Facebook, but I'm not on it as much. But my Instagram handle is J Hotman, H-O-T-T-M-A-N, Hotman being my last name, J standing for Jessica. And um, there I try to post projects that I'm working on when I'm allowed to. My hands are always tied. It's like, don't say anything yet. Fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I try, to, I try to post it there first. And then, um, you know, music-wise, I also have an Instagram page. It's giveth sounds, all one thing, um, for just staying in touch with the music that I have coming out. And, yeah, that's my, pretty much how I stay connected. That's awesome. And listeners? I will have those links in the episode description, so easy access. And you can find me and other great podcasters over at electronicmediacollective.com or just me on Twitter at Moose Media Inc. Jessica, this has been a blast. Yes, thank you for having me. And listeners, if you contributed to the Indiegogo campaign, by the time this drops, you should start seeing those uh, physical media copies So and other perks. So watch your mailboxes, check your emails. You should be getting updates. Jessica, I look forward to seeing how your career progresses and having you back on in the future to talk more about your those other projects that we just uh, talked about because it sounds fun and I look forward to deep diving those. Yes, thank you for having me and uh, hopefully we'll get to chat again soon. Oh, for sure. And <laughs> until next time, Horror Hounds, mash on. Oh, <laughs>